Welcome to the MGMH podcast and I'm Ritmika Nair. I'm the owner of the music company Music Gets Me High and also the country head for CD Baby. In today's podcast we're going to discuss the role of IPRS in the indie music context, what are the pros and cons of joining IPRS, and how does the new rule on live streaming affect independent artists. To discuss this further, we have Rafael Pereira with us today, who is a managing partner of Tin Nuts, a new age intellectual property law firm that works with creators across disciplines and entrepreneurs across sectors. Welcome, Rafael, and thank you thank for you, being you for here. <laughs> so, um, could you tell us a little bit about yourself, your you know your background, and how you know you've been in the indie scene for a while already? Yeah, so um, I have a larger uh, background in events and entertainment, as you know, Ritnika, as opposed to the law. Um, for the past uh, 12 or is it 13 years, um, I've been uh, backstage at festivals, um, managing hospitality and logistics. Uh, you know, really working um, working with artists up until um, a show. Advancing artists is uh, is what I was really um, engaged for. um i founded a company about 5 years ago that did uh, large scale event staffing and all these kind of management solutions for hospitality logistics advancing um and i did all of this while i was putting myself through law school um interestingly and uh, uh i started that company well because housing.com received millions of dollars in investment and i thought hey you know what uh, why don't you um do this and maybe get a piece of that pie five years later mm-hmm. reality i guess <laughs> uh, but yeah here i am um for the past four years i have been practicing as an independent uh, counsel um tin nuts was uh, was my chance uh, at creating uh, value under a brand and it's a lockdown launch law firm and um, we help artists and entrepreneurs identify the what is the value that they are creating how to protect that value um and what steps they should take to kind of monetize that value as well wow so that's about it in a nutshell makes sense let's start with what is a song what is copyright and we, you know we tell artists that a song has two parts you know there is the master and then there's a publishing but a lot of people don't really understand the difference So maybe can you start off by explaining, you know, the parts of a song and how it all kind of, you know, comes together. Yeah. So what I'll do is I'll explain the parts of a song and also give you some correlation in the Indian structure and the Copyright Act and how how that's viewed, right? So uh, depend. Let's go from idea uh, to expression and then to uh, to asset. Okay. Mm-hmm. when when you have an idea it could be either the you know you come up with the lyrics uh, of a song first or you come up with the music for a song right so the lyrics um are protected as literary works uh, themselves um the music is pr- protected as a musical work itself you put the lyrics and the music together um it forms a song so that's the first part that's what people call the underlying work or the publishing right uh, which is the the lyrics and the composition mm mm-hmm. then when you take the, that lyrics and composition an artist or a singer comes in and lends their voice or their performance mm-hmm. um through an instrument or through their voice mm-hmm. to that lyrics and composition and then what happens is it becomes a performance um that performance and the, the person who um who gives that performance 
who performs has a performer's right. Mm-hmm. So that's the second part um, that I, I'd like everyone to understand. And, and the third part is when that performance is recorded, um, it becomes a sound recording, which is the sound recording or the master. So that's the third part. Mm-hmm. Now the performer's right has, um, is also in the Copyright Act. It has a different status. Um, there are royalties that should accrue for the performers, right? But we can get to that at a later stage. Mm-hmm. The sound recording is what we know, uh, or the recording of the performance is what we know as the master. So you have the underlying works or the publishing, which is the lyrics and composition. You have the performance, which has a performer's right. And you have the sound recording or masters, which is protected as a sound recording in the copyright act. So just from so from an independent artist's point of view, if they are the ones who are writing the songs, they are the ones who are composing the music, and they are the ones who are singing it, then they basically have all of those three. And then there's a recording part as well, which is also there. So there's technically four parts to a song if you're an independent artist. Um, yes, essentially four parts that uh, that you uh, if you're a singer songwriter mm-hmm. um, and you're writing not just the lyrics but also the music mm-hmm. um, you, that's a part that you own and you own all these four parts you should receive and if you think about this from a royalty perspective you should receive royalty for each of these these parts um, and every time you receive uh, you're receiving royalty you're trying to protect your right you need to ask yourself what right are you protecting and what right are you receiving this royalty against exactly so when you are so so when for example you take out a music from a streaming uh, uh sorry a digital distributor like a cd baby or wherever you are basically just getting your um master rights or recorded music rights you're actually not getting your publishing rights which is for the composition and for the lyrics so if yes. as an indie artist you have just lit, written the lyrics or if you have just played on the song and your friend has written the lyrics there is some more income which is pending basically yes right. so that i mean we were dis- discussing that the small pizza versus the large pizza and how do you really mm-hmm. make this your pie bigger it's essentially right now there is either your pie is too small or you're not collecting a large piece of the pie right now uh, because if if you're collecting from a distributor like cd baby mm-hmm. you just uh, cd baby is paying you out the the master side right you're not collecting the publishing side yeah. or the, the regular yeah the regular setting we don't do the uh, the publishing part yet in india at least yeah yeah mm-hmm. all right so now let's talk about collecting societies which is what iprs is right iprs is a collecting society so let's talk about what is the role of a collecting society primarily. So collecting societies or they're, they're, called, they're called collective management organizations. And the reason they're called collective management organizations is they, uh, as a collective, uh, I mean, we are stronger as a collective. We are able to protect uh, rights better as a collective. And when we come together, we're able to enforce those rights uh, better also. So imagine if, uh, if you had a song um, and, uh, you, your song is really popular and you want people to, to play it everywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're going to go, go to, uh, going to take a copy of your song, go to every club, bar, radio station and live event and say, Hey, you know, play this song. Uh, if you think about licensing from that perspective, imagine if, if someone wanted to play popular music and they had to uh, take a license from the owner of every song uh, to play every song that they're playing. You know, that, that means they would, um, in, in, let's say, there's 20 songs an hour, 
uh, and their cafes open for eight hours. That's that's the amount of licenses they're going to have to get on an individual basis. And just so just to interrupt, sorry. Why does a why does a venue need to get a license? So essentially, there's there's something called public performance, right? Uh, when you um, when you download a song um, onto your computer or you um, are streaming a song, now the the money that you're paying is not essentially for public performance, but what what you're paying that money for is for private consumption of a user consumption. Mm-hmm. Public performance is defined where there's any more than two people um, in a setting and then music is being played or can be publicly heard. Mm-hmm. Um, that's public performance. And there are some interesting cases of the extent to which this has been, uh, you know, this has been pursued. The uh, case of happy birthday, uh, when, you know, family started singing happy birthday at home and it became popular as a tune, happy birthday as we know it. Mm-hmm. Um, that started getting enforced and there were labels that were saying, hey, you can't sing this song without paying us a license. Yeah, and because like Happy Birthday is actually copyrighted. <laughs> I mean, is that, I, yes. I know that. <laughs> the one, the version that we sing, uh, you know, that, that's within copyright. And yeah. uh, I believe it's Sony Music uh, mm-hmm. that, that owns the copyright for that song. And um, essentially, they wanted to receive public performance royalty on that, uh, in that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think so. At, at some point, a line was drawn by the societies or by by the licensing organizations or the PROs mm-hmm. um, saying, okay, if it's at home, a mother singing a lullaby to their, uh, or a father singing their lullaby to their children, mm-hmm. uh, it's not public performance. But, um, but essentially, uh, if it's anything more than that, uh, you know, it's a birthday party, you're inviting hundreds of people over uh, that is public performance. And All right. Even though Basically, even- the reason a collecting a, 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 a live music venue needs to get a license is because you're basically, you know, playing to a larger group of people as opposed to a smaller group, which is what you normally do, you know, when you consume one-on-one basis. So, all right. So uh, going forward, you said collecting societies because we all can't individually um, collect and the the uh, the venue, sorry, can't individually get licenses from every artist. That's why a collecting society is basically created so that they can kind of, you know, figure out how to collect on a blanket basis, on a larger basis. Yeah, so collective licensing is the, the best form um, of licensing large catalogs or being making music accessible um, or rightly accessible mm-hmm. to, uh, to the public. And uh, essentially they on ground and for bars and restaurants, they issue blanket licenses. Mm-hmm. So they don't, they don't say, Hey, you know, we're going to license only 200 songs to you, which are probably a label, mm-hmm. a smaller label can, they can only say, okay, you know, 200 songs. What they, what a uh, society can do is they can issue their whole repertoire under a license to you and say, mm-hmm. okay, you can either get a hosting license to have it on your CDJs mm-hmm. uh, for, you know, everywhere you, you take it to, because you also need a license to host that content. And, you know, that's, that's something that um, a lot of us forget to have uh, content and to keep it today. You, you need a hosting license. And that's what a lot of platforms have. They, they have the a license to host that content on their servers mm-hmm. and not just offer it for streaming, but also to host it. Mm-hmm. Um, and essentially, um, societies then also can, through reciprocal arrangements, which I, I think we can go further into detail mm-hmm. about, uh, which is basically if you have IPRS in India, which has a certain direct members and repertoire that is directly registered with them, mm-hmm. they have reciprocal arrangements with societies in other countries as well to represent their repertoire 
in a public performance environment, mm -hmm. which could be events, retail, um, radio, um, things like that. And essentially, that's how they're able to um, they're able to go out and say, hey, they don't, I, I don't think any society can really say, and any society today can say they represent all the music in the world, but they say we represent a majority share. And that's how they come up with uh, tariffs. Um, and this is common for any CMO, which is collective management organization, any CMO, um, you also know them as PROs or performance um, rights organizations. Um, they create these tariffs on the basis of how much of a share of the music in the market they represent. And then they go out and license that repertoire under a blanket license to event promoters, restauranteurs, club owners, uh, radio stations, things like that. And we'll come to radio, which is yeah. quite interesting. So, um, so just to kind of uh, make it very simple for our viewers, uh, the job of an IPRS is basically to issue blanket licenses to public uh, public places so that they can collect revenue for all of their members you know because as a venue they need to pay if they are consuming music in a public space so they need to get a license from IPRS a blanket license is basically you pay one fee to cover all the music that they are being that is being listened to which comes under their thing you know if their members are signed in great we'll give you one license we'll collect that money and then depending on what whose music you've consumed or however it works we will distribute that money to our members in essence right yeah yeah so uh, organizations like iprs they have a distribution scheme every every organization has a different distribution scheme and the distribution scheme differs from um, uh, on the basis of how the revenue is generated so there is a different revenue scheme for uh, TV, for radio, for events, uh, for retail. There's a separate distribution scheme for each of this. IPRS has this on their website, so you can go and check it out. Um, they also have separate codes under which they pay this royalty back to you. Mm -hmm. And they also have um, something called a minimum uh, royalty, depending on the number of songs that you register with them, the number of years you've been a member with them. Um, those things really affect uh, how um, and how much of a royalty and when you will receive your royalty. Okay. All right. So next question would be, um, how does one become a member of IPRS? We actually have a question in the chat, which asks something similar. Do you need to join an agency like Turnkey, which is, you know, Atul's company, which is a publishing firm, or can you join them directly? Uh, you know, how does it work? You know, is it, uh, so they're basically asking like, how does one become a member of a collecting society like IPRS? Like let's focus on IPRS for now. Yeah. So essentially, you Turnkey is a publisher, um, and you need a you need a publisher for a lot of the work that I will describe later on. Because un unless you'd like to do it yourself, and independent artists, um, I think like their independence uh, three sixty. So if you'd like to do it yourself, I'll, I'll let you know how you can do it. But regardless of whether you have a publisher or not, you should register uh, with a society like IPRS. And the reason you do that is uh, if you look. Um, and what IPRS is collecting, they're collecting from, uh, they're licensing some of the major festivals that um, you're probably playing at. So if you're you playing at an NH7 weekend, uh, a Grub Fest, or a, a Sunburn, a Supersonic, um, a Sula, 
um, even a, a magnetic fields, I'm not too sure, but mm -hmm. essentially all these festivals are uh, paying public performance licenses, right? Now, if you were playing cover music at any of these festivals, or if you were playing cover songs mm -hmm. at bars or restaurants, the money that, uh, I mean, the money that accrues from that public performance would go to, uh, towards the authors and the composers of the music that you've covered. Mm -hmm. But if you're playing originals, that money should be coming to you. Yes. And that should be distributed amongst everyone who's played at the festival or every song played at the festival and should be distributed accordingly. Yeah. So therefore, and now let me answer this question, although it's not yet come up. What happens, uh, what happens is you've, IPRS has already licensed these festivals and you're not a member. So how are they doing this? So IPRS has um, kind of a checks and balance system where essentially if they've collected money on behalf of a song or a member uh, who's not a, a non-member, they will keep that money for up to three years uh, and wait for that person to become a member and collect that money uh, or claim that money. And this is how it works in other societies as well. But I would say if you're an independent artist and you've played at a lot of these festivals or you've played at bars which are paying a license fee, you should right now go ahead and Number one, collect your set list. Um, number two, or oh, number one, register yourself. So that's the thing. Um, so how does one become a member? Let's go into the so, basics. So if you go up to the, the IPRS website, you'll see a membership form and you'll see some criteria that they ask you for. Mm -hmm. um, it begins there. You fill up that form. Um, there, is, there is a bit of paperwork required. It's not as fast as we are used to because it, it's, it, it requires some amount of verification as well. The society needs to um, check if you're a legitimate member, you're actually putting out music or you're just registered. Uh, they wouldn't let you register if you've not put out anything yet. You know, once there is a repertoire that you're, you're claiming as yours or you're assigning to them, I think one important thing to understand is IPRS, uh, when you're becoming a member makes you sign an assignment deed. Mm -hmm. Now what that assignment deed is, when I explain that concept of collective licensing, it's essentially you saying, okay, I've created 10 songs, I've authored 10 songs, and I am assigning my right to issue a license to IPRS. And that's what's happening with the assignment deed. Once that assignment deed is created, then that goes into like this um, master repertoire that IPRS has, and IPRS can th then also license my songs mm -hmm. uh, to be performed at events, to be performed at bars and venues and clubs. So, so just to kind of recap, how does one become a member of IPRS by going to their website, by signing up? You do not need to be signed to a music publisher to register with an IPRS. You can actually go ahead and do it yourself. Once you register, it is not just important to register. And this is something we should really stress upon. Once you become a member, Every single song that you release, you have to register those works, those songs with IPRS. What a lot of artists do is they become members and then they do nothing after that. And that is very important to remember that once you become a member, IPRS isn't going to magically know that you took out a new album or a new single. You have to tell them, this is my new work that's coming out, you know, and then they will start figuring out where you've used it, what's happening, all of that. 
Now, another point to this is that who can actually join IPRS? If I have just a singer, can I join IPRS? If I have not written the lyrics and I have not composed the song, can I join IPRS? Raphael. Yes, you can. So you can be a, uh, so IPRS, uh, to be a member of IPRS, you're either a lyricist or a composer or a publisher. But if um, I have just in, sung the song and I have not composed it and I haven't uh, written the lyrics, then I cannot join the... No, you can't. There is a separate organization for that called ISRA, which is uh, which represents the, the performers, right? Exactly. Um, and that is that is a society that I would recommend you to join. And so just... Also yeah. to, Sorry, just wanted to, uh, just to kind of recap this. If you are an independent artist who uh, writes his own music, who composes their own song, you can join IPRS. If you do not write the lyrics, if you do not write the composition and you've just sung somebody else's written works or whatever you want to call it, then you can join ISRA, which is I-S-R-A. All right, go ahead, uh, Raphael. To, to what you were saying earlier, and you know, some of you may have publishers, the pub remember the publisher's job is uh, not usually to register you and you need to be registered either way. So whether you have, um, whether you have uh, a publisher or not, you need to register and here's why. IPRS will pay out 50% of uh, the revenue coming in to, uh, to a publisher, which is called the publisher's share mm -hmm. and 50% um, to the author composer and how they uh, if there is a lyricist and a composer uh, who are different people then it's 25% to the lyricist and 25% to the composer so you need to register to collect your share and um, I, I would suggest you you should register regardless of whether you have a publisher or not because most societies in the world will not allow a publisher to touch the lyricist or composer share they want to pay that directly to the lyricist and composer. Exactly. So either which way, whether you have a publishing uh, publisher with you or not, uh, sometimes the publisher, if you have a publisher, they can help you register with IPRS. But either which way, you as an artist have to register with IPRS. Now, if you were a band where you collectively compose and write the music, then each individual person would have to be a member of IPRS and you would register the works and you would all be co-authors for each of those songs so that you can all get equal share for it all right so now let's moving on to the next question uh, we have um from where does iprs collect money i know you discussed this but i just want to kind of just list out the various places uh one would be like you said public performance places where else so um clubs bars restaurants events uh, whether they're concerts or private events corporate events what whatever they may be um, tv radio uh, broadcast internet uh, these are these are some of the, the major parts uh, where iprs will come in and forgive me if i forget anything but sure. essentially iprs is uh, collecting has the mandate for digital so it's collecting in all the digital realms as well mm -hmm. it's collecting from a facebook I'm, I'm sure all of you saw those announcements that iprs has done a deal with facebook so they're collecting from facebook they're they're doing deals with uh, spotify apple music ghana exactly maybe not ghana but yeah but so essentially all these um they're collecting and the important thing to understand Ritika, is that it's it's different uh, 
you you need to view iprs and uh, this repertoire differently for online versus offline and when i say that what i mean is on ground there are these reciprocal arrangements so for events clubs bars restaurants tv mm-hmm. um uh, radio essentially iprs has reciprocal arrangements in place mm-hmm. for uh, for licensing content which is not directly a uh, content of their members or not uh, directly their repertoire mm-hmm. uh, repertoire of their reciprocal societies but for digital iprs only has uh, i mean only licenses its own repertoire to um, to these radio stations or to um, sorry um, iprs only um, re- licenses its repertoire to platforms like gana spotify digital radio interactive radio non interactive yeah. digital radio yeah so when it comes to collecting from venues and things like that the only way ipr if you are a member of iprs and you are playing gigs the only way iprs will know you have played a show and give you a piece of the pie of the of what they've collected from the from the license money from that venue is if you submit a set list and a set list should be submitted even if you're playing covers because if you are playing covers of artists you admire you would want them to get paid something right at some point in their lives so the the most important thing is making sure either the venue can an artist submit the set list themselves saying i have played at this venue or does the venue have to do that any idea about that i think fastest finger first i would say in this scenario you you should um anywhere you're playing you should always so i used to always advise artists to put uh, put in a clause in their agreement saying that uh, the organizer or the promoter uh, the venue owner needs to uh, is responsible for all licensing mm-hmm. and uh, licensing used to always be an icky point for a gig getting interrupted you know uh, yeah. and essentially um, nothing could nothing could really stop you stop a copyright owner uh, from enforcing their right mm-hmm. i would say best practice is to always get a copy of the receipt um of the you know the license paid whether it is uh, for um, an event so just you know a single a, a single day license or from the venue uh, who will may not give you a copy um of their annual license I doubt but essentially uh, essentially if you do get that that also can go and can be submitted as proof um you have a set list with a date time and also important to to give them the entire um schedule or lineup yeah. uh, with, with performance times yeah maybe, maybe so that they know maybe if they had a set list they could get it signed by the venue and have a stamp of the venue with, or with the date just something to verify that it actually happened or something like that um you know just to kind of make cuz you know some of these things are not going to get you know half the people at the venue won't even know about it so you know that's it all right so moving over to reciprocal things so what the reason we mentioned reciprocal is is that um, a lot of artists sign up with an international collecting society like like prs for music like bmi this is something i've been recommended to to artists for years you know so what you mentioned is reciprocal is only for on ground stuff is that correct so only for when they play at at a live music venue in india and the set list has been uh, sent uh, officially that they have sent it in or whatever it is then they could get paid from a prs for music in the uk 
but yes. online whether the music is being played you know the money from facebook or the publishing share from your downloads when you upload music to spotify etc that they cannot get if they are signed to prs for music um no essentially what i mean is iprs does not um see the in, the first thing is the internet does not have borders right mm. so uh, iprs will not uh, go out and say we represent 100% of the market here because mm-hmm. those reciprocal arrangements don't exist for online um for uh, for online perf- public performance or okay. online performance and mechanicals mm-hmm. so iprs will only license to a platform mm-hmm. or like facebook it's directly represented or direct repertoire Okay. so all the indian members of iprs or okay. all the members of iprs in india their repertoire is what is licensed to a platform like facebook okay so essentially um, if you are a member of prs in the uk and not iprs here iprs will not license your repertoire to a facebook prs in the uk is licensing your repertoire to facebook so but either which way you get paid right either which way you get paid um, but the problem is when you don't sit in uh, you're not registered to any society yeah. then you're not getting paid you're not getting a piece so, of this pie so one of the things was pros and cons of deci- of joining iprs if i can join a prs for music in the uk or a bmi uh, and i can still collect money from venues and i can still collect many money from my streaming money and my facebook money and my instagram money what's the point of joining IPRS versus a PRS for music or a BMI what is the pros and cons are there any pros and cons or it's all the same and it doesn't matter so there are a few um, cons of uh, uh, registering firstly you have to ask yourself where is my music being consumed and publicly performed and if that is majorly outside india or even if the uh, 25% of your pie you assume will come from outside uh, of india you can go ahead and register with other societies and that could be apra am cos in um, australia buma in, in the netherlands uh, you can choose sabam in belgium sasem in france prs in the uk ascap and bmi in the us um you can take your pick depending on where you think your your music is really going and publicly uh, being publicly performed and when i say publicly performed i mean you also need to think about is it being played on the radio is it being played on tv um is it on streaming apps mm-hmm. and then um, then you can answer this question so there's no real there's a specific answer there's no blanket answer to this question but think about it like this so in the event perspective if you're not uh, signed to iprs in india you're signed to prs in the uk um if let's say you, you were supposed to get 100 rupees from india what's going to happen is there will be some deductions um, along the way uh, so trade all that crap um and also i mean for the operating cost yes. uh, of the the license here um and then by the time you you get the money the the wait periods for you to get the money um iprs has a different payment cycle prs in the uk has a different payment cycle mm-hmm. so depending on um if you're okay on waiting um i would say if you're in the same country where the revenues are accruing you collected in that country rather than going out mm-hmm. if um but however if you give it a chance and you feel that um it's better to put pressure from abroad and collect it mm-hmm. uh through a, a society through a reciprocal arrangement 
you can go ahead and do that. It's just that sometimes the timelines differ. You, you wouldn't get it as fast or maybe you'll get it quicker because of the pressure. Yeah. But uh, those those are factors for you to weigh in. So, I mean, it doesn't really matter where you're based and where you play. It's more about where, you know, if you're majorly playing in India, then it makes sense to sign up with the Indian society. But, uh, but it doesn't matter if, even if you are signed with a UK one or a US one because they all collect from all over. They have deals with other society where, hey, you collect on my behalf and then we will, you know, go through our banks and then divide it and all that crap. So uh, one of the other main important things that people always wonder is, does IPRS actually pay? You know, I think that's one of the points which it's not about timelines anymore. You know, for Indians, we're so used to waiting for our payment you know, which is so weird because any international company, I mean, I work for an international company. I never had to wait for any payment, but I'm so like, Hey, that's new. I got it like in a day, like, what's this? But you know, we're so used to like waiting, waiting, waiting. The point is we're okay with waiting. It's about not getting paid at all. And I think that's one of the things. And I know, I mean, I don't know if IPRS is watching, I'm sorry, but this is a very neutral discussion, but does IPRS pay? Because the last few years before they kind of revamped themselves, they kind of went through a lot of shit and a lot of stuff happened. So what is your opinion? I know we can't guess for sure. We don't know. We're guessing, but yeah. No, so um, I'd like to answer that question and say that they're, they're paying my clients at least. Oh. So I, I've seen, um, I, I look at a lot of royalty statements and um, sometimes they ask, you know, it comes in with codes and P10345 and things like that. Yeah. Um, essentially, it, it's um, it's hard to read state statements unless you know and you do this on a on a daily basis. Sure. But um, to understand what where the money is coming from, and uh, for my clients, um, they've been paid even during the lockdown. They've some of them have uh, even received the emergency relief and things like that. So I, I believe IPRS did two payments um, in the span of twelve months, uh, okay. and yeah, and essentially. Uh, they have they have paid out. If you're not receiving payments, remember there are certain criteria also to receive payment, and there is also something called the the minimum royalty that you do receive once you become a member. Okay. But you have to be eligible for that. You have to register your works. You have to make sure you're you're completely Committing in the system. Everything. Yeah. I, I will be honest, and I will say that uh, for my clients, there are people that are doing the hard work for them, so they're not doing it themselves. Um, uh, the work that they're receiving money towards has been either a label has gone out and registered that book uh, themselves. Um, and then IPRS has collected the sync share. So, you know, when there is, a, um, yeah. when um, author composers are by law entitled to 50% of, um, of that, uh, which is called the author's share. And IPRS goes out and collects that for sync deals as well. So if a label has done a sync deal on the publishing side, um, they will collect 50% um, and then pay that out to the, uh, to the lyricist or composer um, who's their member. And I think it's important, number one, just like we discussed, it's important to, to follow all of those steps. Um, make sure you register your songs, make sure you're submitting uh, set lists, make sure you're letting IPRS know that such deals are being done. Mm -hmm. And this goes even, so it, not just indie artists, you know, a lot of indie artists do jingles and do ad exactly. film work yeah. and commissioned work. They also pay out for all of that stuff because that stuff gets that's uh, gets yeah. the most and, uh, and they pay out for that as well. But 
you need to give them complete information mm-hmm. and um, unless they have that they're not going to be able to pay out and um, they won't think about it this way they also need to justify why a payment was made mm-hmm. um, and this serves as justification so everything you said about stamping it and getting it signed by the venue owner all of that counts because yeah. then it's 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 one step more legitimate than it was exactly so i mean just to kind of recap on what we've discussed so far uh, artists need to realize that it's not about whether it doesn't matter which collecting society you sign up with abroad in india at the end of the day the work still has to be done you can't just become a member and i'm assuming all of them charge a fee right like a membership fee or something yeah so iprs the last i checked charged 1200 rupees uh, for a lyricist or composer mm-hmm. to become a member one time and 2000 one time fee and um, 2200 rupees uh, for a publisher to become a member okay all right and, and tell me something so this is i'm sure people will under, if we don't have a publisher as an independent artist we don't have a publisher then we in essence become our own publisher yes so does that mean so, that we get both the shares from iprs so in essence yes, okay. so in essence artists who are independent and don't have a publisher if they're not signed to iprs they're missing two chunks from the publisher share and the artist share So that's that's yeah. still money that we're just letting it go, right? So that's a that's a great way to put it. It, I mean, it sounds very convincing. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, simple. Like I'm supposed yeah. to get two shares, I'm getting zero shares. That seems like a very stupid deal. So I should do something to get both shares. You know. So essentially, right now you're you're just collecting. So we broke the song down into three parts. You're collecting on the master side. You're not collecting um, on the publishing or on the the performance side uh, the performers right side but essentially on the master side also you're not um, you're not collecting for where your work is being publicly performed the masters being played so for example if you're a producer mm-hmm. and all um, all our friends rithika need to listen to this because none of them register with any societies they don't register their works mm-hmm. so but they all play each other's music for sure you know and uh, they're playing it at, at at clubs and they're playing it at festivals at after parties wherever uh, yeah. you know uh, wherever they're playing they they're playing these songs and essentially um what's happening is no one's getting paid for this music and all, uh, all of this money what happens is and I'll answer this question before it's even asked and i said uh, societies hold on to this money for 3 years till and they wait for someone to to sign up and if that person doesn't sign up for 3 years that goes back into the main pot and is distributed uh, amongst everyone mm-hmm. now um, so essentially the big guys are getting all the money that's owed to you mm-hmm. and that's an even better uh, i mean an even bigger reason for you to sign up and register yeah because we don't we, do, we don't want the big guys to get all the money we want the little guys to get all the money <laughs> all right so now because you touched upon sync so i just want to kind of explain to people what sync is sync is basically synchronize uh, synchronization or synchronizing li- sync licensing what happens is if you have a song that is placed on an ad that is placed in a tv show that's placed in a movie that is a sync licensing 
sync deal. So if you distribute through CD Baby, you might have seen an optional sync deal where it goes into our sync library and we help you, uh, you know, we help pitch to different people. And every so often you'll see a CD Baby artist on Stranger Things or one of these Netflix or HBO shows. So you get that. Now, if you, you know, go to a label, a lot of labels ask you to sign over their sync, uh, sync, uh, you know, sync part as well. In order for you to kind of collect on your sync money, should you not sign that over to anybody? Is it good? I mean, or is that doesn't matter? Like if tomorrow you are making a song for, you have composed a song and you're giving it to, uh, you know, a music, um, like an ad film or whatever. Are you, is it better to just be like, okay, take it all. I, I'm just taking a flat fee, you know, one-time fee. It's yours, basically giving away all your rights to it. Or is it better to at least hold on to that, you know, that publishing part or the sync part or whatever you want to call it so that you can get money from IPRS on it? Um, essentially, you, you what you are doing is you're giving them um, a sync license for that, that song that you've composed. Mm -hmm. And I, I think uh, if I understand correctly, the difference you're saying is, uh, is a commissioned work versus just giving them a license um, and keeping all the copyright with your, with yourself. Is, mm -hmm. is that the difference? Basically, yeah. I mean, what happens so, to people, you know, a lot of times uh, they'll get approached, even if it's their own song, a lot of times people will get approached saying, hey, we like a song, we want to put it in our, our ad, our this, will you like to give us all the rights? So like, what happens when you're like, yeah, take all the rights, Mujhe, you, know, ek lakh mil gaya. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, is that a good deal? Or should you be like, no, I want this much money, but I still want to hold on to my publishing rights so I can register this work with IPRS. I, I would say the latter. You, you, you should uh, try and hold on to your publishing rights as much as, uh, um, as much as possible. I would say hold on to your master's right um, as much, as much as possible. So um, if you, um, let me let, let me break it down for you. The, the when there is a sync, right? Um, what is a sync? I'll, I'll break that down even further. The moment you take audio uh, mm -hmm. and add a video element to it and fix that in time, mm -hmm. that is synchronization. Mm -hmm. Now it's it's very different for when you think about um, YouTube. You know, uh, uh, a lot of people. I used to listen to music on YouTube. Uh, uh, don't make fun of me. But uh, essentially, I, I majority to, of people in India listen to mu music on YouTube. That is where it's consumed the most. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm not the only one. <laughs> so, yeah. um, so essentially, uh, but a bunch of songs uh, on YouTube, you'll find just the artwork mm -hmm. um, and the song, right? It's mm -hmm. not a real video. Mm -hmm. Those are defined as art tracks. So it's not, uh, they don't really consider them a sync. Mm -hmm. But everything else where you take music and you put it to a video or visual, even karaoke is considered a sync. Yeah. Now, what uh, I'll break down sync for you. And if the the master uh, or the recording is being used, mm -hmm. uh, you need a master license, so a license from the person who owns the master, mm -hmm. as well as a license from the publisher. So sync is not just on one side. That's important to know. You need to know that it's on both sides. You need the license of the publisher. And if you're well, not a pub, you don't have a publisher, then the artists themselves become their own the publisher. Artists. Yes, they are de facto. Mm -hmm. And the the second is if you are recreating the song or just performing the song, uh, performing your own version of the music and lyrics, not using the recording, mm -hmm. you need a license from the publisher to do that. Mm -hmm. So essentially, if you um, let me let me take a, a song and I was just listening to this yesterday. This is a song called 
the little, little things you do. Um, and that was, I think, Mikey McCleary and Anushka mm-hmm. Manchanda. And I was, I was listening to that song and I, I said, I, I definitely know this song from some ad somewhere. Mm-hmm. But it has a certain amount of recall value. So the real decision uh, comes down to on whether you should give them all rights or not is how far they're going to take, uh, take that song. And, um, you know, in, in that case, you weigh in keeping those rights as opposed to giving them. Because remember, when you, you may grant a certain set of rights, so sync, you may, you, you may give them ownership of the masters and the publishing. But what happens is you'll still collect your author's share, your 50%. Mm-hmm. And this is true for, uh, this is what was the major change in 2012, right? All the lyricists and composers of Bollywood and all these ad films, all of that, they started getting this author's share. Mm. And um, they don't have ownership of that publishing, but they're still collecting that share. The same thing for Sync. IPRS is going to the label and said, saying, you did the Sync deal, you owe the author-composer this much. And I've received, or my, uh, my clients have received those kind of payments during the lockdown as well. Mm-hmm. So it, it is a ma- major source of revenue because labels would go out and do these deals. Mm-hmm. You may not have that arsenal or the toolkit uh, you know, within your toolbox to go out and put yourself out there, license that catalog, license that song. Mm-hmm. But these labels are doing it. Publishers are doing it. Um, and that's why you need a society to go out and collect on your behalf. Yeah. Um, and that's what I, uh, that's yeah. in, in long form, that is my answer. To, to this <laughs> so in essence, basically try to keep as much of your rights as possible, either which way register with any kind of collecting society, because there is some money there that you are not collecting basically. And that's the, you know, the, the gist of this particular t- topic. So let's move on. But a lot of questions, sorry, you had something? Yeah. Yeah. So the, the, there's one distinction that I think needs to be clear. Mm-hmm. When you think about sync, it's on the input end. So yeah. if let's let's take the example of uploading content. Mm-hmm. In order for you to have a song in um, in a visual or a video, mm-hmm. you need to have a sync license. In order for a platform to play that, or in order for a, um, a radio station, um, not a radio station, sorry, a TV station to, to play that, they need to play pub, uh, pay pu- public performance. So you're earning two. You're earning both sides. You're earning on the input side as well as the output side. Okay. So that's why it's even more important. Or you'll get the sync from the deal being done. Mm-hmm. You'll also get the public performance each time that is being played on air. Yeah. And um, I think when we, when I was saying boycott radio. Yeah, um, I'm just going to get to the radio part because that's one. See, so basically, I mean, people need to understand that IPRS uh, does collect from TV shows and stuff as well. So if your music is used on an ad or a TV show or whatever, there is an element, some payment that is there that you could be making if you're registered with IPRS, you know. So let's go to radio. I know we've got a bunch of questions and guys, I'm seeing all your questions. If you have any more questions, just type it in. We're go- I'm going to either go through it in, in the, if it's already been covered in our Q&A, otherwise we will answer all of them as, men- as much as possible before it's time to go drink. <laughs> but uh, uh, hey man, <laughs> it's indie all the way. So um, <laughs> let's talk about radio. Now, I, I mean, every time an indie artist, and I'm talking from an indie perspective because hey, that's all I know. Every time an indie artist gets approached by a radio station or approaches a radio station, they make them sign this NOC saying you're waiving some rights and you're not everything. 
what's the deal with radio? And, you know, I, and I liked how you're like boycott, boycott radio. Tell us a bit about this. <laughs> Um, so essentially, I, I wanted to do this a while ago, and uh, I think uh, as a, as a kid, my favorite um, my favorite station was ninety four point three. I and uh, I used to listen to the show called Jaggu and Tarana. Okay. Um, and, uh, they, and the show was called something else, but they were the RJs, and uh, I, I really liked that show. They uh, they played nice music, um, but then you know, then uh, then I learned that. Radio is refusing to pay the author composers, mm-hmm. and they're refusing to pay IPRS. And uh, this has been litigated for a while. There was a case called Aditya Pandey, and that's what we were discussing, you know, la- last weekend. Um, At the webinar. where, yeah, yeah, on on that webinar, and essentially, radio is not paying um, the author composer. Mm-hmm. Right? They're paying. Uh, they're paying a limited amount and some of them are paying masters. Some of them are not paying anything, but essentially there's this whole, this dispute and the court kind of settled it and said, look, uh, we don't, um, you don't need to pay the author. Uh, and uh, right now it's, it's, it's so weird because, and that's why I say, I, I was thinking maybe I should, this, this should be started as a formal campaign of boycott radio in India, you know, but I mean, um, if you're supposed these... to pay and they're not paying, I think we need to. I mean, what the hell? That's our money. Yeah, and uh, but you know, you have this case of the the court has come in and said, okay, you know what? No, it's it's only the uh, you know, the master side that needs to be paid, and uh, um, why? and that's what IPR is. But why is it that our laws in India are so like? Come opposite to everything else in the world. I mean, like, I remember on the webinar, the one point that, you know, that stuck out was uh, the gentleman from IPRS was like, don't compare us to the West. And I was like, why the hell not? Like, we want to be, we, com- we call ourselves a sup- want next superpower and all this crap. So why not compare ourselves to the most advanced country and be like, how do we get there? Right? <laughs> so I would say... Um... We can compare ourselves to whoever we'd like to compare ourselves. We need to understand the ground realities. Mm-hmm. Uh, if we compare ourselves to the US, let me tell you, it's, uh, from a public performance level, it's not too great there anyway. True. Um, and uh, the same the same problem that um, that you face. Like for example, if you were an indie artist in um, in the US, and you the 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 royalties that I was talking about here. And I was saying you'll get a minimum royalty, or if you submit your setlist, you'll get money from there. The US pays that kind of royalty out very differently. Mm-hmm. You need to be in the top 300 grossing tours um, of the year to receive money on events and concert royalty, uh, on events and concert public performance revenue. Okay. So the, the small guys get nothing um, essentially till you make it to that top 300, right? And yeah. then then you'll start getting um, those royalties, which are huge. But essentially, you could uh, you could be playing, and you know that's there's this entire campaign. I'd written it down a week ago and kept my note here, <laughs> but it's still here because I use the same table to, to stream. Um, but there's this campaign. You should check it out. It's called Broken Record by a gentleman called Tom Gray, and I believe um, he's on uh, on the board of PRS in the UK. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's an issue that he highlights of of essentially when uh, music is being uh, being consumed on a Spotify or an Apple Music, 
what's happening is if i'm paying 10 dollars and you're paying 10 dollars rithika mm-hmm. uh, you could be listening to 500 songs and i could be playing one song on repeat yeah um all of your money will go to that one song that i'm listening to and all of my money will go to that one song that i'm listening to wow um so um, and this is essentially because we uh, they are also paying out with on the basis of what was listened to the most and not to, you know it's it's not a it's not a user centric payment system so it's it's not i paid 10 dollars the 10 dollars should be divided amongst what i've listened to yeah. it's what is streamed the most and uh, that's why the bigger me, artists get a bigger chunk of the money exactly. you know so when we say that's, oh why are they getting it because they they're getting you know more people are listening to it so if you want your music to be you know to get more money promote the shit out of it like hello simple as that right <laughs> create bots that that sit and uh, listening to that song on loop every single Pura day in day and night right yeah. so um basically in india radios do not pay out any iprs royalties or whatever at the moment yeah they're not they're not paying um, paying that out and um i would i would say this has been an issue in different countries i think that this is our time where this you know issue gets debated and things like that you look at you 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 look at uh, western countries also i have no problem taking western examples or eastern examples mm-hmm. uh, whatever you may do let let's take the example of china and say oh we're so far ahead of china True. but essentially uh, they um, i mean they can look at other jurisdictions and we can look at other jurisdictions and look at how they've answered those problems but um and even to to what you said about the the law ethnic i i think that the law uh, says what it says in where i think we're interpreting the law quite funky right now you know the, even the court and i i would go back to say you know how how much knowledge of of ip uh, are, is the judiciary really getting mm-hmm. how many plays are they watching how much of music are they actually consuming are they thinking of this process of idea to expression the way i explained it today mm-hmm. um and things like that you know i think that's the real problem not uh, not that we're comparing ourselves or or anything else or that our laws are archaic yeah. i think people need to and i thought a campaign like like boycott radio would really you know catch some eyeballs and uh, make me an influence on it right from after this <laughs> webinar guys Hashtag boycott radio. Boycott radio. Yeah, you you heard it here. I first. actually have associations with a few radio stations. Guys, don't hate me. <laughs> yeah. All right. So yeah. moving on, the big topic: live streaming. Now, I know you guys did that webinar last time, um, and I know it was, you know, a lot, a lot of lawyers talking about a lot of legal stuff, and um, you know, it was great because I know you guys spoke about some bigger issues that kind of need to be discussed, and hopefully, eventually, get some answers. answers out of it but from an indie perspective from the everyday perspective i think most of us and most artists kind of got lost they were just like what is the end goal so let's just make it very very simple the iprs is collecting uh, money for live streaming yes, yes. so they, they are expecting if you have a uh, oh, let me Yeah. Let me answer this right, this way. They're collecting right now money from uh, from Facebook for oh. live stream. All right. So right now they're collecting money from Facebook. What is the new? I know the new law. They have now taken suggestions and they're saying th- things have not. Certain things are now being re-evaluated, like the costs and all of that stuff. Right after 
things have gone awry. So could you explain what exactly is going on now and how does it affect the independent artists? You know, because from the independent artist point of view, they are the composers, they are the lyricists, they are the performers. You know, they don't have, they don't have any publishing firms. It's just them doing everything. All right. So let me uh, try and get to the reasoning uh, behind all of this. But, you know, many, many people have, um, and this is based on my own uh, logic, um, reading between the lines and trying, trying to uh, see the logic of the ratio behind it, um, as well as the, the press releases that have come out and what I've gathered from, from direct or uh, indirect conversations. Um, I would say, so number one, to answer the, the question of uh, Facebook is paying you, why, um, why should this be the separate tariff? Mm -hmm. Um, I think the answer, this is not my answer to that question, but I, I, I feel this is the, the, the proposed answer to the question, which is Facebook is paying for user generated content type of usages of music. So if there are users, so if we create a bot today, Ritnika, and that's taking, uh, Sarigama songs and, uh, uh, you know, creating music videos with memes or, uh, matching them to random videos and putting, uh, soundtracks into them. Uh, the fee that IPRS is collecting from Facebook covers that kind of usage. Okay. When it comes to, when it comes to, I would say pages, it gets a little more complicated because if you see company pages, or if you see what, uh, and that is free usages, right? No, and there's no payment being exchanged for that kind of usage, user generated content. Yeah. The problem arises. Um, when it's there's money behind some kind of usage or some kind of transaction or some kind of content, mm -hmm. and what IPRS is saying is that needs to be treated differently. You can't you can't treat them both the same, and I kind of agree with that, because if someone is receiving money um, for creating some type of content, then the uh, <laughs> then the the author composer should also receive a piece of that uh, that money, and. People may ask, why is this? Uh, because essentially, if you look at uh, if you look at even a free concert, let's say it's a free concert, okay, something like a car-free day, something like uh, like that, where people don't have to pay an entry fee to get in. Um, maybe I'm giving the wrong example, but we'll find out once I complete the example. <laughs> um, but essentially, um, if you if you think about it. Um, there are no tickets being sold. So it's not really a, uh, you know, a paid concert in that sense, but IPRS still asks, uh, can ask uh, for a piece of the sponsorship sales, a piece of revenue. Mm -hmm. They don't really say, you know, we want a piece of the ticket. They always say revenue and there's a percentage of revenue that, that is paid. In. Now, Facebook uh, on platforms like those are paying for the kind of free consumption or the free usage of content. The moment you put a brand into it, the moment you put a ticketed event that is being live streamed on Facebook, this creates a lot of complication, right? So, for example, we could have ticketed this this thing on a book my show on an insider, collected money from people. Uh, you could have been, you know, live streaming music right now. I could have been dancing on my on my end, <laughs> and people have paid paid tickets for this. This is being streamed on on Facebook. Um, now there is a certain amount of monetization that's happening here, and I would also say 
if you look at uh, data that comes out, um, I don't know if they will release it, but if you look at a lot of uh, the events that are happening today, the most of them are happening on platforms like Zoom. Mm -hmm. Now, Zoom is a lot harder to license for uh, you know yeah. an IPRS because they they don't uh, they don't have blanket licenses with labels, so they don't pay labels upfront mm -hmm. money because they're not that type of a platform mm -hmm. um, essentially, right? They don't know this notice and takedown can't really work because you create a room and the room exists only for the duration of the meeting. Yeah. So when are you going to send the notice? When are you going to take it down? Things like that. Yeah. Um, that occurs. So I think that answers this whole question of if I, uh, if Facebook is, uh, uh, has paid, why should, uh, why should event organizers have to pay? Or if, if the artist is the organizer themselves, why should they pay? And this is my, my reasoning for it mixed with maybe that's the official position as well. But this is, this is my logic for that. Mm -hmm. We can argue about it. I don't know how much that will change. Uh, but yes, you should, uh, you should put in official representations. You should send in your comments. Please note Facebook post, uh, or maybe if you tag them in your Facebook post, they'll see it. But better to send an email always. Better to notify them officially and say, this is my stand on it. Come together as musicians. Come together as associations. Send, um, send official stances on it, and they, I, I believe uh, they would listen after a while. Well, and right I, now, they I haven't. Uh, they've said clearly that they're still taking suggestions, and they haven't finalized anything. So, if artists and uh, companies, you know, want to have their say in this, or at least try to have their say in it, now would be the time where you kind of reach out to them on, you know, via official email. I'm sure you can find something online, or you know, on their website or whatever. So, what did this? What from what I've understood is that they are going to collect money if it is a sponsored event on Facebook, sponsored stream or sponsored event or whatever, or if it is paid, like if it is ticketed, you know, or donations or any kind of thing. Now, if uh, now for donations, it, I'm not sorry, sorry, Erythika. donations, I'm not so sure. Okay, so uh, you haven't clarified not, what happens with donations. But I think they said that if it's for a particular cause, then it might be yeah. waived. But if it's donation for an artist themselves, I'm assuming it would be paid then like, because it's not a cause, right, then it's, Who a, is to it's judge? a gray area. Who is to judge? <laughs> we should make a musician charity and every every artist should do a fun gig paid event for the musician you, charity. I think you let the cat out of the bag. You shouldn't have put this on, on the record. You should put it on WhatsApp groups or Facebook groups. Nah, it's cool. So, um, yeah, that would be really shady. <laughs> I can't do that. So, basically, if you are a member of IPRS, and if you are doing your own paid event of some kind, you will still, as an artist, if you are you're doing the event yourself, you will still have to pay whatever fee they've said. They haven't finalized the actual fee anymore. They're opening or discussing it or whatever, or if they've finalized it, I don't know, but either which way. But because you're a member of IPRS, you will get your share somehow calculated and you will make money off of it as well, right? Yeah, so I think you need to look at this. So there are two perspectives. Yes, the member perspective is, is important. You need to look at this from a repertoire perspective. And now we're going into you know, licensing for an event. You need to look at what kind of content you're using uh, uh, or playing and who owns that content. So essentially, if you're an independent artist and you, you are the lyricist, you're the composer, you're the, the performer and you own the master, um, I, I would say in that scenario and you're uh, you're a member of IPRS, 
to me it doesn't make much sense that you would uh, you would pay to collect your own money it doesn't make much sense it does but uh, it doesn't but, but uh, we have to right and that's the current deal unless that that is what is being reworked as well and i think that that would be reworked to an extent um i can't confirm it um, but i'm pretty sure, uh, i'm i think that will be reworked to to allow, allow members who who are performing their own lyrics and composition yeah. to perform it and kind of on it on and it comes on or you know or paid or yeah it gets a little more complicated when there's a publisher involved you know they think because if if and i i see um just a note to everyone posting questions in the chat there's a separate q and a yeah. uh window put your questions there so that we don't miss out anything yeah. but um, also i saw some questions regarding um you know the publisher share and publishers take 50% of your work and mm-hmm. things like that i think you need to look at it as um this is a part of the pie that you're not collecting right now mm-hmm. um and publishers put in a lot of hard work they don't some publishing administrators or some publishers may charge you an upfront up fee but most of them work on a percentage basis with you what um and that involves there's a lot of work registering your songs uh, monitoring it um going out and pitching your catalog things like that there's there's a um, yeah there's a lot of so public, uh, just to interrupt it, sorry just to let everybody know publishers kind of help you get sync deals you know placing it on on movies films like they're basically trying to sell and if you are a singer songwriter uh, sorry a, a songwriter if you have composed the uh, the music that's when you or you've ly- written the lyrics that's when you can approach a publisher if you're just the performer you've just sung it then that you don't own that part of the song so you can't approach it's mainly for so if tomorrow you are a great songwriter but you can't sing you would go ahead and instead of getting a label deal you might consider getting a publishing deal so that they can sell your songs and other performers you know other singers like madonna whoever can you sing your song you know like i like to use the example of um that's that aerosmith song i i don't miss i, I don't want to miss a thing that's actually been written by Diane Warren who who's you know who's a really famous songwriter you know so you she can basically just sell your music to be sung by other people so sorry continue cuz people might not understand uh, the yeah i think that's a great great example even musicians like elton john mm-hmm. um you know artists like elton john they 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 you know they tip their hats over to uh, to their songwriters and i forget the songwriter's name bernie in this bernie tobin 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 um but yeah but you know uh, yeah. i think if you watch rocket man you also see that kind of relationship and there are yeah. scenes where they they do those kind of deals with the labels and yeah. things like that but essentially yeah, what you're saying uh, what you're saying is right and coming to that that percentage of of um, of uh, 50% publishers will really help you collect that i was saying it gets sticky when it comes to um, when it comes to you have a publisher you're performing your own music mm-hmm. um and maybe you're getting paid maybe you aren't but if you if you're getting paid um think about it maybe your publisher who's putting in that work also needs to get paid a certain amount so in that case maybe maybe you'd want it to go through iprs so your publisher gets paid uh for uh you know for their work also and then uh, and then you get paid mm-hmm. the remaining part it economic from an economic model point of view it doesn't make sense um yeah. essentially you know paying money to get that money back to you unless it's coming to you with interest yeah. um and now 
when it comes to i think it says non iprs members are exempt from this rules if you you know it's your own content that you're playing yeah. um you're performing then yes if it is content that iprs represents you need to you need to pay and up and it's um, and it's a paid and it's paid yeah and it's paid you would need to pay up yeah but i think also now iprs may be saying you know uh, for non paid performances mm-hmm. they won't collect but this is not the case for uh, for other societies around the world so if you are playing international music what is likely to happen is you'll get a notice and take down um, okay and you you can't so everyone was focused on iprs and this whole tariff and i i was trying to remind everyone that look the music that you're probably performing if there covers i i see a lot of facebook groups where there are 12000 people and there's a guy performing every sunday and yeah. things like that um you know and he's playing the greatest hits and music that i love but essentially the you know it's it's not being picked up because content id is not that strong in terms of live performances yeah um but there will be notice and take down and remember but tell me something the fact that facebook has a deal in india and facebook i'm assuming has international deals as well if somebody does do the cover and it's a free cover wouldn't they automatically get paid from facebook so why should that get a strike down notice but that's assuming all the music that we're playing is is licensed to facebook ah. and that's not the case so that's what um, you know remember when we were just doing the warm up before we joined in youtube took down its music policy database and yeah, uh, yeah. you know i was crying because all my youtube creator clients and comedians whoever would use music um, they would send me a set list i would check it up and say you know what would what is likely or most probable to happen in case you use um, music in a video that policy database would tell you uh, whether it's you know there's YouTube had an opt-in policy Facebook also has an opt-in policy so you can choose to license uh, license to Facebook mm-hmm. I'm worried about in cases where it's not uh, you know it's not licensed to Facebook um labels flat out tell Facebook also we will put this this catalog into your content id system if it uh, if it's recognized it needs to be taken down immediately mm-hmm. we don't want it being used we don't want UGC content to be created around our music and um, that was the case with youtube as well uh, there is a lot of um, and youtube did it three ways um, with with a content id claim either you would be notified uh, i mean you would be notified and uh, that uh, you can't use the song it would be taken down immediately um, the content owner could keep it up um, and let it be there mm-hmm. or they could keep it up and take all the ad sales revenue yeah yeah and so, uh, so just to kind of sum this up because i know we're running out of time and we have a lot of questions which i would like to answer because i know the last webinar we, you guys couldn't get to the questions the current rule as it stands and we believe there will be some changes to it as they're working on it is that if you have any kind of money associated with live streaming whether it's sponsorship whether it is Uh, ticketed and if whether you are yourself are the event organizer as an artist or whether you are a company you will have to pay that licensing fee whatever it is if you are not a member of IP, uh, IPRS and you're playing only your own music you are fine 
if you are a member of IPRS and you're playing only your music, they might, you might be fine. You might not be fine. They're trying to figure that out. Meaning you're fine, but you might have to pay and you might get that money back or something. Not fine. Yeah. You, you, you may have to pay the license. Yes. Not so that's what you might be fine as you might not have to pay or you might have to pay. But right now as it stands, you will have to pay. So, but you will hopefully get the money back. And if you are not a member of any collecting society, or even if you are a member of a collecting society, and you are paying and playing covers, it may or may not get taken down depending on that particular cover song and the deal they have with which organization. So that is how it stands currently. So what do you advise for independent artists? Do you think they should join if they're doing live? I mean, let's be honest, next six months, it's going to be live streaming. Um, should they wait and see what the new deal for artists are? If they're doing their own covers, if they're a member of IPRS and then decide to jo join? Or do you think that either which way they should join IPRS or not join IPRS? What do you think? Wow. Um... <laughs> <laughs> I, I usually start sessions uh, like this saying, um, uh, I am a lawyer, but not necessarily your lawyer. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I'm sharing my opinion, but uh, yeah, yeah, this is, know, this is not a, this is not an official, this is us discussing our point. I mean, I, I can tell you what I feel. How about this? I feel like hmm. I, as a, if I was still managing artists, which I've done for about 10 years of my life, I would wait and watch for the next couple of weeks to see what mm -hmm. IPRS says is the final, final law. You know what I mean? When it comes to yeah. if you're a member and you are streaming, uh, you have you're paying, playing a ticketed show and it's your own music. So that's what I would do. Just wait and watch for a couple of weeks and kind of see what this, what's going on, <laughs> you know, and then decide that, you know, say if it's only 2000 rupees or 500 rupees. And you know you will eventually get it back. Then maybe you know the the benefits outweigh the cost because there are so many other benefits, right? You are collecting that publishing royalty that you are already missing out on that the big pie like you're talking about, right? But if the cost is twenty thousand, then I'll be like, screw the pie. I'm just going to kind of keep my my you know my royalty myself or whatever, right? So I think it's one of those. Do you kind of? feel that's a good approach to kind of wait and watch and see what they have to say? So essentially, what I would say is, um, yes, it would be advisable to kind of wait it out till till, um, till the tariff comes out. Uh, feel free to send in your opinions in, in, in the meantime. I would say your voices should be heard. But um, collect all the data that we were talking about in the meantime, all your set lists, um, you know, the venues that you played at, have conversations with even those promoters. The past, even the past ones, right? Whatever you can get. For the past three years, I would say um, buy a whiteboard, write it on your wall and write down all the gigs you played or, you know, an Excel spreadsheet um, on your on your laptop. List down all the gigs and where you played them at. Um, try to put together the set lists and um, keep that data together. And then when you do join, you at least have that data. So you're not... Uh, yeah, you know, you when I said that, yeah, you can yeah. do the work and be do, prepared. Do that right now, mm -hmm. and then, uh, 
and then you can decide you want to join iprs you want to join another society join wherever give them that data yeah. make those claims yeah. and then uh, because at the end of then the, you have some pension because at the end of the day uh, i mean yeah and that's a good way of putting it because if your if your music is playing online and wherever there is that one you know whether you're streaming whether it's you know you're still missing out a chunk of your money like so yeah. you know let's say you're doing a lot of live streams now but let's be honest up let's hope and pray covid disappears like hello it needs to go away then we're going to be back gigging and playing and what about then you're still missing out on that you know that that royalty that you could be getting from the venues and all of that so you of know course. it maybe maybe you don't want to join now and want to join in a few months but either which way eventually you're still lose not claiming all your money you know and that make you it's important to do that all right i think there are hmm. there are lots of benefits also like that so iprs did a relief fund an emergency relief fund and i believe a regular relief fund for its members as well oh that's cool um so you know the members but you had to be a member for a certain amount of years and but people could, got money claim. because they were struggling yeah oh that's yes. really nice yeah they did that there's also a system of a minimum royalty that iprs pays out for if you meet the criteria so it's it's important to be a part of these societies also because you need to think of these royalties not just as added income but as your pension plan you know and yeah. that's how songwriters there are songwriters avidly uh, go out and enforce it mm-hmm. uh, enforce their rights because this is they could have written they're living off of a song written 60 years ago um and uh, you know it's is due to them and they're collecting those if they're hits Mm-hmm. For example, the Be- the Beatles catalog is is I mean is one of the highest paying catalogs today. For sure, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, we've got a lot of questions, so should we just kind of dig right in and kind of answer them, you know, one at a time? So I'm going to ask the question, and you can answer. How about that? <laughs> All right. So the first question yeah. is from Pragnya. What are the pros and cons of registering our music with IPRS in the current scenario? I believe we've answered this quite well. So Pragnya, I hope you've already understood this. If not, uh, this is available going to be available on uh, Facebook, so you can rewatch it. But we have kind of done that. Um, then we've got. I heard that registering with IPRS restricts indie artists' opportunities of video play or TV channels and radio opportunities or radio. What radio and TV channels don't want to pay IPRS, but we've kind of also covered this. TV stations still pay IPRS, right? To an extent, um, I believe to an extent they're they're paying. I'm I'm not sure. Um, I I would have to confirm. I'm not sure to what extent they're they're paying. I believe there are some who are paying and some who are not. Okay, so but uh, so, but is it one of like so, so if at the end if you are. uh still signed to IPRS and the TV station doesn't want to pay they might make you sign an NOC basically i would say don't sign those NOCs because you're not what is the use and i mean but then they may not agree to play your music on the radio but i mean it's it's that simple uh, you know that simple philosophy of um Uh, getting paid for a gig or getting exposure for a yeah, gig, oh, you yeah. know. Are uh, we do? Yeah. So sign the NOC if you want exposure on radio. Exposure. Don't sign the MNOC if you don't want exposure and want money. I would say you know you come bring it to a point where it's full fledged boycott radio. They have nothing, you know, nothing left to play. Or you do you? We come up with our own radio station that. Which is too expensive, but which is called come up with something. Man, come on, come to CD Baby. We'll release your music. 
yeah but you you come up with something like that um, you know some something like a box out fm or uh, where you can play real independent music mm-hmm. and artists get paid um, out of it that's that's the real model to follow so i, I would say it's it's really your personal choice why are you giving them your music if you're not getting paid for it if it's exposure and you really need the exposure um i guess go ahead but otherwise uh, man it's it's sacrilege all right as an indie musician who writes composes and performs uh, do we register with both iprs and isrl isra yes so iprs for your lyricist and composer side uh, isra for your performer as in your singing uh, side um musicians should also i mean uh, musicians also have a certain amount of performers right but there is not i don't believe there is a society that represents and enforces their side uh, their rights that way the way isra does all right so we actually have a question on facebook uh, just extending from this talking about the role of isra so basically isra just collects the performance rights uh, the performance rights as if you are just a singer so you get a piece yes. of the public performance basically right and this is yes. from where just the venues or from everywhere so right now isra isn't collecting um, as much i believe their last annual report stated about 2 and 1/2 crores um, that's a lot of and, <laughs> that's uh, a lot of money <laughs> no but essentially for all their members and True. their that big guys is well. yeah yeah and uh, but it's the same way you know they 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 don't want to spend too much money on litigation and getting people to to pay in as in any organization Uh, like even iprs let me put it this way iprs is not going to spend 10 lakh rupees to recover 10000 rupees in a tariff that you owe them right they they're going to collect from the the people who will pay um, they'll probably set an example with uh, you know taking down the big guy finding the big guy mm-hmm. but uh, but essentially um, isra will uh, is will be collecting a larger chunk of the pie um, soon all right Cool. Uh, if I sign a contract with an international collaborator for fifty-fifty rights to co-produce songs, do we need to register them for collection on IPRS, or will the international society they are registered with collect for them? So it, I guess, it depends on the collaborator, right? So you don't. the the collaborator will register with their society and that's fine you register with your society and the money yes. money will be split that way yeah. yeah so each of you have to register with your own society whether you are in the US, whether is an international or an indian one and then they will collect from everywhere all right yeah. cool there are there are multiple uh, so if you see organizations like stim a lot of the songwriters and producers are uh, registered with stim in sweden and they collect money um, you know the, the artists are in america the artists are elsewhere in europe and it works like this so it does work all right um is there a membership membership fee associated with joining the iprs i think you've already mentioned that there is is what 1500 or 1800 or something 1200 rupees for an artist and 2200 rupees for a publisher okay last i checked yeah Hi guys does the IPRS collect from Radio FM we've already answered this and uh, if the NOC asks for radio play should we uh, should we sign it yeah we've already answered this uh, <laughs> it's a personal choice uh, if it's just for you won't get paid for it so again it's a you know it's your choice i understand you see i get it like there's some artists who are so fresh 
who just want people to hear their music so if that's the case you know maybe i mean i know boycott is a big thing but till, until rafael starts this movement where people start boycotting radio it's a very personal choice till then what to do so i think i, I think amit is is also listening and i saw you i saw he raised his hand i was waiting for his question amit man where are you <laughs> Amit, I want to start this movement. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The IPRS website doesn't have a clear place where a musician needs to register on their website. Can you? I will just. I will. I will put in that link here. It's. It's quite clear. Um, I will put in that link and type this answer. All right. Perfect. You can move to the next one. All right. Cool. Maybe you can put it in the chat as well so everybody can see it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. um how can independent artists small venues submit setlist for royalties to be tracked and what's the general payout time for these royalties hey varun <laughs> i uh, so I, i believe we covered the first part the second part is general payout time is i believe there is an annual payout that does happen so the for the year um It ha- I it, the distribution scheme really talks about when it is paid out. I I, I believe it's paid out at the financial year end, but the the uh, the collection basis is Jan to December. There is one annual payout. Um, pretty sure. About. So just to kind of because he's talking about independent artists, so we're saying independent artists should collect their set list, could should collect whatever as much information that can be verified so that they can submit it. uh venues have to also venues directly have to kind of also submit playlists as well right which they don't do but technically they're supposed to both should i i think both should so that um, they can be verified and cross checked and yeah, all that fun stuff yeah they'll be verified otherwise me and my bot on facebook will submit set list on all your behalf and take <laughs> all your okay can an artist manager help their artist register with IPRS and collect the same for them how does he she who um, who's a manager benef- benefit from them uh, i'm going to answer this one uh, only a songwriter you know or a composer or whoever can sign with IPRS you as a manager which i have done before can help them with the paperwork but uh, how do you benefit from it well if you understand how managers work managers make 15% of everything an artist makes not just gig money so technically you are entitled to 15% of everything the artist makes but you know that is how it's supposed to happen in reality but if you're wondering if you can get paid directly from IPRS the answer is no right rafael <laughs> um so I think if you are as a manager trying to be a publisher, I would not. It, it's. A, I don't think they should. To, it's too much work yeah. for them to bother. Yeah. Yeah. Then in that case, but no, uh, yeah, you should it, get your artist. It has nothing to do. It's a songwriter thing, but technically, as a manager, you are entitled to fifteen percent of everything they make. Keeping in mind that you actually do the work and do more than just get them gigs. All right. <laughs> all right. This is my pet peeve. You know, like manager versus booking agent. um all right can you register for iprs if you're already registered registered to another publishing society um yes you can so there are many artists many of my clients are assigned to two societies sometimes three what they do is they um it's important to restrict certain rights uh, uh, by territory to the society so essentially if you have two societies there should be one a society collecting for so if i if i were to say prs and iprs and i'm signed to both i would have iprs for india and prs for the rest of the world 
So in and that's fact, how actually, I would divide. I, I actually did not know this. So you can restrict territories with a collecting society. Oh, that you makes can. so much sense. I, All right, guys, sign to PRS for music for world and IPRS for India. You're done. <laughs> yeah, but that you take that call depending on how your music is of being course, consumed. Yeah. And that's the um, that's what most publishers will advise you on, or if you have enough data from uh, from organizations like CD Baby, or mm -hmm. uh, you can see where your music is being consumed the most. Yeah. Um, and I, I think I was um, I was watching. Um, I think Naveen uh, or someone posted this. Uh, it was called. It was a documentary on this one rock band that went and was touring Europe and was doing shows for ten thousand people. Mm -hmm. um, in that case, it would make sense to, to uh, you know, to become a member of PRS because PRS can collect that money from all the societies there. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, you get it directly from them. Okay. Makes sense. All right. Um, <clears throat> if, an, if a PRS, if an art, if a PRS, PRS regist, IPRS registered artist is doing a ticketed show by themselves using a, Zoom, a tool like Zoom, who's responsible for license, there is, and who's responsible for payout, there is no license or payout with Zoom, right? So um, if you're doing it on Zoom, I mean, you, uh, you're the organizer yourself. If it's a ticketed show, uh, you're, going to be, uh, you're going to be responsible for getting, um, getting the licenses and um, but do you how does the royal license yeah because you're ticketing it on but it's, it's on right? Zoom, right it's not on social media it's closed but tick so it but still has to public see public performance is any performance where there's more than two people ah, okay. um, so, so it would be a public performance mm -hmm. even if it's on zoom and how do the royalty payout work the same way you would have to, uh, i mean they wouldn't the uh, if you are the artist and again you be a member of iprs you do the same process right so essentially i think what uh, ishan is asking is is re relates more to how um how do you verify? relates more to no uh, to the distribution scheme and i don't ah. think iprs has put out a particular distribution scheme for this there is one for events and there is one for um, online uh, streaming, non-interactive streaming, but there is uh, uh, there is nothing specific right now for um, a distribution scheme for this these online events, and I I think they will come out with with something uh, regarding this. So uh, once we register with IPRS, what's the rules for online performances and payments? I think we've already covered this. If we keep a non-ticketed concert but let people donate any amount they want, does the IPRS still get paid a percentage? So if the donation is going to the artist and not to a charity. Non-ticket uh, donate any amount they want. Oh, one more um, thing. I think we forgot to mention this that IPRS also stated that things which are in public performance, which is a, you know already things like folk songs, religious songs. Uh, they don't get they don't get charged, uh, um, you know, because they're already in public yeah. performance, uh, public and, pub, public domain. Sorry. And I would say, uh, you know, there there were uh, some jokes being made about uh, what IPRS put out and saying, you know, they're stating the obvious. But um, let let me uh, throw some light on that perspective since you brought it up, Ritnik. I know uh, I know uh, I'm taking a lot of time okay. doing this, but um, <laughs> but. But essentially, if you think about folk songs or you think about devotional songs or classical songs, mm -hmm. now the lyrics and the composition may not have, uh, you, you may not have copyright in them you may, because they are public domain works. Mm -hmm. But 
and assuming that public domain works and if you talk about see devotional as a genre and folk is also a genre right it, but if you uh, if if you think about it and this is the way a lot of publishing really works is mm-hmm. they still claim for arrangement right the arrangement of the lyrics and composition can be an original you may have arranged it originally mm-hmm. so in in that case you know to give you an example of um uh, arrangement i would say um postmodern jukebox right they're yeah. taking lyrics and co- composition that uh, or maybe not composition to that extent but they are arranging the song very differently uh, for each of the songs they are all popular songs arranging the song very differently they would have copyright in that arrangement yeah so and arrangements are paid out by societies at i believe 1/4 or 1/5 so that is why it's important that iprs puts out uh, clarifications like this That's to say that 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 what was the traditional music and religious stuff is not covered devotional devotional folk and classical yeah um which which i i mean i take a uh, leap further and say okay if they're not charging for this then they're also not not paying for this in that sense so they're not they're not paying an arrangement um, right. in that sense okay all right uh so uh what what uh, um with the donation part uh, it's a yes right what uh, if it's a donation for self then it would become just like any other paid show uh, so you might as well put a fee on it or whatever you want to call it if it's a donation for maybe a charity event then there would be no charge i don't know what what will happen but let me give you examples in the past where compare i would compare this scenario to a busker sitting on a street uh, opening up their violin yeah. case and uh, Asking you know people for, put in money there yeah yeah and um, uh, there are societies throughout the world have um, you know kind of uh, asked them to take licenses mm-hmm. or pay the society for those kind of works as well so all right so we don't know i mean this is what it is but we're still waiting for more clarity from iprs on a lot of topics all right so regarding the iprs is update on live streaming of online events is uh, is a live performance or an informal jam of covers on youtube live Uh, on a youtube channel considered uh considered a paid event that should require payments of royalty so youtube is different right i mean i mean i don't i don't believe it does i don't uh, believe it, it, it is considered paid in the way um the the way iprs means they're talking about tickets and sponsorship things like that so i i don't believe it does yeah um cool all right uh how does iprs earn and pay out its employees basically it's by yeah how does iprs earn <laughs> great question so so all societies around the world what they do is they um from the total collection they they reserve uh, an amount of up to 5% which is to cover their costs um a lot of societies like for example in europe societies do this they also take a certain amount of uh, money and put it into a culture fund mm-hmm. um and then do events to educate to uh, create uh, for the benefit of the ecosystem things like that so they do charge that to the overall revenue yeah. that is collected societies in the us don't do this um they they don't uh, they don't do this kind of culture fund and things like that but they do deduct their their cost of operations from it but that was about uh, 5% of the total revenue that they they collect not more than that oh. i believe should labels register with iprs you can't no right? uh, <laughs> no so the, the thing is labels right now are registered in uh, indian labels are registered in india to iprs 
but that is because the way those labels have acquired the rights from films mm. they have acquired uh, the publishing rights as well so they've just been given this bundle of rights and de facto they are the publisher but uh, that's not how it works uh, in, yeah. in, in so technically uh, in a lot of just a label you you can't the songwriter can and the publisher can so if you become a the publishing aspect of the label then yes yes yeah all right uh, should a new artist register with iprs i don't know what artist means as in i'm assuming they mean singer songwriter somebody who sings composes writes um yes uh, for your for your songwriter side you should you should uh, register with iprs for your uh, singer side you should register with isra yes and if you're unless you're and if you're not composing and writing your own music lyrics etc then i uh, then iprs is not for you then it's just isra isra uh can i sign with both cd baby and iprs for public administration yes you can uh currently cd baby doesn't offer cd baby pro in india cd baby pro what it does is it just kind of registers you with the collecting society and helps you collect certain parts uh so um in right now in india we do not have pro so right now you can sign do both definitely because we right now are just dealing with the mechanical part as well. there should be there should be different slabs for artists would that idea work for i i don't <laughs> I, i guess i i couldn't i i've not worked on that economic model but i i think it really needs to be lots of factors need to be taken into consideration ticket price and uh, how many you know how many uh, payouts need to be made from from that uh, from that revenue because sure. you may have to pay out master side performer side publishing side and also know, like and on a lineup you may have one big artist one small artist one medium artist i mean that just it kind of makes things more complicated right i mean from the if it's going to be slabs and stuff yeah yeah all right i i don't know we yeah sorry jaren <laughs> um um is iprs uh, worldwide like bmi ascap and other society or just limited in the india region So IPRS works worldwide right now. If you're a member of IPRS, they their reciprocal arrangements are both ways. It's not just one way. So they can collect on your behalf uh, from um, societies like uh, Sabam, Sasem, PRS UK, IPRAM, COS, um, and they 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 can collect. So yes, they they do represent you worldwide till you give them a letter of direction or till you amend your assignment deed and say, I don't want you to collect from these territories. I'm registered directly. All right. Um, is there a timeline on the revised tariffs from IPRS? We're waiting indefinitely. <laughs> I um, we're all waiting, man. <laughs> we're, we're all waiting. I was I was one of uh, to to let the cat out of the bag. I was one of the the people uh, uh, waiting for the first tariff to come out because for my clients and these were some some big shows. Uh, we didn't know how much to pay, and there were you know arbitrary figures. Some shows were uh, the license fee was 1 lakh some was 10000 some was 2 lakh rupees and it was like okay how how can we standardize this mm -hmm. what ended up happening was something different but it's been fixed right now all right uh, so we got a question here uh, how to get paid for master public performance royalties any other cmo to get registered with i'm not sure cmo with what collecting uh, uh, 
collective management organization. Uh, okay. So I would say on the master side, there is PPL, uh, there is RMPL, and okay. there is Novex. So I would ask you this question. So from what I've seen from PPL's website, only labels can register, right? That's part of like a neighboring rights, right? Does PPL become neighboring rights? I'm just trying to understand. So, so essentially, uh, yes, right now, I believe they've only let labels uh, become members. Yeah. But what is a label uh, anymore? Um, That's what. And, so, uh, yeah. Yeah. so can one register with PPL directly if they wanted to get their... I've had some conversations with them, but uh, I believe now everything is in review. They've got a new CEO. Um, and uh, who knows, maybe uh, at one point um, I had chatted about, you know, maybe producers becoming members or DJs becoming members. Yeah. Um, but... Right now, um, we don't know. I, 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 I would say not, but if enough of noise is made, um, you can. There is also RMPL, which is the regional label uh, uh, CMO. There is Novex, which is a private body mm -hmm. um, that has um, that has artists like Nuclear. Um, okay. So people, um, artists can join to Novex? I, it's it's not a society. Novex is a private body ah. uh, that you know is a, so on an assignment basis. But I guess if Novex sees commercially looks at you yeah. as commercially viable, they'll probably yeah. they'll probably sign if you you're up. You're making but, uh, a lot not, of money, no. then it makes sense. <laughs> and yeah, and also you need to think about right now on the master side. There's no one that's recognized under the Copyright Act. There's no society that's a recognized copyright collection society under the Copyright Act. Something is supposed to happen right now. Uh, so you should be more worried about that than the IPRS tariff. Mm -hmm. um, one of them is supposed to be, you know, between um, between PPL and RMPL. One of them is supposed to be recognized as a copyright society right now. So. Okay. All right. Uh, um, so we've got one question. I guess it is similar to US's law about payment on masters only for radio. But is the payment on performance also not paid to songwriters? I'm assuming they're talking about radio, right? I guess. I don't know. Well, we've already covered this. The radio right now is not paying songwriters. So I think it's. Uh, I I don't know if that's really true um, okay. in that sense because, um, so depending on what kind of radio it is, uh, again now we we have all kinds of definitions for radio. So it's interactive radio or non-interactive radio, and like Pandora has yeah. a different model and things like that. So. There are different. I would suggest you you go and look at uh, Sound Exchange and what Sound Exchange does in the U.S. Mm -hmm. um, I believe Sound Exchange is on interactive streaming, or interactive streaming, one of the two. But you look at Sound Exchange, look at Harry Fox, and you see the way they collect, um, they the way they collect money and the way they distribute it. And I believe Sound Exchange distributes it between the uh, there's a forty five. 5 and 50% distribution between three parties. 5% I know goes to SAG-AFTRA and um, AFM or, um, and then 45 goes to the artist. So, but check check out Sound Exchange and um, Harry Fox and see how, how they are collecting money. All of their, their tariffs and distribution schemes are all up there so you can check it out. All right. Uh, we've got how much minimum, minimum royalty? I guess nobody can answer this, right? <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Um, honestly, uh, I don't know what the minimum royalty is. I, I believe it's changed over the years, but uh, yeah. I don't know what is the minimum royalty that. Uh, that and the next one is is uh, the what is the the price 
for compose uh, to join IPRS as a publisher? I think you said twenty two hundred, right? Um, as a publisher. Yes. Yeah, so I, I I don't I don't know if you will be allowed to do a separate registration with okay. the same person as a publisher. Okay. I don't think it uh, it works that way. Uh, yeah, so you can either be a composer or you can't do. If you're a composer, you're a composer unless you're an actual publisher. You know what I mean? You're actually doing the work. <laughs> it, so when you register the work, you'll say you own 100% of the work and there's no publisher involved. Yeah. That's, that's the difference. Yeah, because publisher can only get 50%. As a, if you yourself are a self-publisher, then you are just a composer who also has the publishing rights, basically. Yeah. Uh, when does an artist need a publisher and why should he, she get one when PRS is collecting most of the royalties? I think it's mainly to exploit the songs further and exploit in a good way, not a bad way, but it's to kind of help I think you. we answered this. Yeah, I think we want to get sync deals and placements on TV shows, you know, things like that. So it's just to take your music further. But if you're, unless you get a, you know, there are not too many good publishers in India to begin with. So it's not just about, hey, I'm going to get a publisher. Like, a, there's like, okay, there's turnkey, there's a couple of more, but do they even want to sign you, first of all? And, you know, it's, it's, it's like signing up with a big label at the end of the day, you know, it's, it's not always easy. So, um, you know, that may not be the first route to take, basically. Um, who's to judge when it comes to genre? If there's a loophole <laughs> to be had in a ticketed show happening in a worship of God of indie music. Hey man, I believe we should all worship rock and roll. <laughs> rock and roll can save your soul. But <laughs> um, No, I, I don't think to, to seriously answer your question. <laughs> I mean, no, I don't think that's a loophole. <laughs> all right, we've got a couple of more uh, on the chats. I'll just quickly run through them if, and if we have already covered them, great. Because um, I don't want anybody to feel like we didn't answer their questions. Uh, what is the position of IPRS? Uh, no, sorry. Reading, and, reading the publishing company's contract, it appears that they also take a percentage of stream plus album sales plus 50% of publishing. Is there anything left for the artists at the end of it all, considering digital sales are quite low? I So it's a lot of work. And unless you're paying an upfront um, upfront fee uh, to your publisher, I would say they, they deserve their due. You need to negotiate, uh, of course. Uh, and when you have more leverage, you're able to negotiate better and negotiate those splits down. But I think number one for indie, uh, indie artists in India, you need to understand that this, this is a piece of the pie that you hadn't considered before or that you weren't collecting before. So these guys are going to do that work and collect it. Mm -hmm. uh, give them their due. What that is, I think it's a one-on-one -on -one conversation. Yeah. between me and, and also to see if it's a good deal. I mean, the thing is there are lots of publishers out there in the world, depending on where you're signing up. And you have to, you know, in a year, see whether they actually could make a difference in your career or not you know it's like any other deal like even when you sign with a manager give it a year and just be like okay is there any difference have you tried you know it's one of those kind of things you know as well uh so chayan's question has been answered already uh chayan if you haven't checked out our stream you might want to rewatch it uh but what if live stream on a third party app like Livit? i don't know what Livit is but Livit does the app pay them Mm. I I don't know. Um, we don't know about that. I I don't know what Livit has done, yeah. but I can tell you like uh, there are there are apps like Mixcloud, for example. Mixcloud went ahead and got blanket licenses from a lot of the content owners, okay. and that's how uh, that's how DJs were able to to go out and 
I mean, that's how DJs are able to right now go out and play entire sets okay. uh, on Mixcloud. Okay. Because they went uh, went ahead and got uh, blanket licenses. Mixcloud, I don't believe, has a deal with IPRS. Um, so it's it's quite different for if you're going to play Bollywood music there. No. But if you're going to play Western catalog, uh, you're going to play um, EDM kind of catalog. Uh, Mixcloud is it's a good option. All right. So so non-IPRS members are exempt from these rules. If I'm setting up a live stream, paid cons, paid concert, performing originals, then is there any implication? No. If you are doing a paid or an unpaid thing and you are not a member of IPRS and you're only playing your own originals, then there is no fee to it, to it at the moment. Um, just quickly checking any of them we have it. What's the difference between I, uh, ISRA and MCAI? Do you know MCAI? I don't know what that is. Yeah, MCAI I think is is uh, musicians, uh, musicians and composers association of India, I, I believe, or music composers association of India. And um, ISRA is is um, ISRA is for performers, as in singers. Mm -hmm. um, what is MCAI? A, I believe it's new music composer. Oh, the composer. Uh, yeah. yeah. I'm not. Are they even very active? I don't know. Honestly, I'm not. I haven't. Heard yeah. yeah. One of my clients is, is quite. Uh, I mean, he attends their meeting. They they did a meeting to discuss. Uh, uh, All right. To discuss these tariffs and things like that. So yeah. Okay. All right. And one last question we've got, which is interesting. If we hire session musicians for playing on our track and pay them a one-time fee and they are registered with IPRS, does the IPRS need to pay them too? I think it depends if they added the composition, like if they created the composition, right? Yeah, so essentially, uh, if you're hiring sessions musicians, sessions musicians don't usually um, write the music. Unless they they are, then they become a co-author. Um, they become a co-author, yeah, co joint author in the work, um, and then they can register to IPRS. But if they're not, if they're just playing, um, they're playing, they will have a performer's right, uh, according to me. Right now, I don't know an organization that represents the musicians' performers right in India. The singers' performers' right is represented by ISRA. Awesome. All right, I think we're done with all the questions. I hope. Well, Guys, I hope this helped you. I hope this clarified some of the doubts. I know some of the terms seem a bit daunting, but we tried our best to make it as simple as possible. If you have any other questions, you can always reach out to Tin Nuts or to MGMH, or you can even you know check out CD Baby. And if any of you are interested in releasing your music, come check out CDBaby.com. We are a digital distributor and we help independent artists release their music. All right, Raphael, thank you so much for being on this, you know, lovely chat. And uh, thank you for taking out two hours of your Saturday night. You can go party now. <laughs> thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. Thank you, everyone, for all your questions. I hope I answered them. If not, uh, my COVID IPR helpline, which is my WhatsApp number, <laughs> WhatsApp is always open. Or... Um, uh, Facebook or LinkedIn, we are we always yeah. fan answer them. All right, guys, thank you so much. We are going to end this.